1: And we are live once again. It is the Field XD8 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. It is Monday morning. We have one more day of the second round of the NCAA tournament. And, Jeffrey, I do believe yeah. that this is the best first weekend uh, that I can ever remember. Between um, how competitive all the games have been, all the upsets we've gotten, all these crazy endings, you know, the, yeah. the one thing is that we haven't really – We've had one kind of close to a buzzer beater, yeah. in the first game of uh, of the round of sixty four, but that's really been it. That's like the one thing that we've been missing is is buzzer beaters and, and last second shots. We've had opportunities, guys have just missed them. You know, we we
2: should have known coming into this uh, tournament that it was going to be mayhem, and I, and I think we had an idea, but when you're f- filling out your brackets, you're still like, well, like I don't know how this, you know, Team A beats Team B, Team E's. It's been better all year. I like them, whatever. Um, but you just see it—you see it this year more than ever. Because again, these guys are, are are quarantined. They're not able to take walks outside and see their families, and you know, hang with their, their their parents and and see fans and all of those things. I know they've done it for most of the year, but again, it just it changes the whole dynamic here in Indianapolis. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised that there's been a ton of upsets. I'm also not surprised because as we've said, most of the year and and I've done the top 25, I did it pretty much every day for the first three months of the season. There's not much disparity after the top couple teams, you know, we've seen Gonzaga and Baylor and, and maybe a couple other teams have, have kind of gone into that third spot, whether it's been Michigan, Alabama for a little while, um, Ohio state for a minute. Um, Go into that third spot, but but frankly, it's been Gonzaga, Baylor, and then not a lot of, of difference
1: with, with a three to twenty-five or three to forty even. Yeah. So a lot a lot of things happened yesterday. Um Syracuse won. Yeah. Uh we had Oral Roberts advancing to the second round or to the second weekend. We had Oregon State knocking off Cade Cunningham. But I think that the biggest storyline for me, um, and the biggest talking point is probably Loyola knocking off uh, Illinois. Illinois was the, I, th- I think you'd make the argument, the hottest team coming into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and it kind of was the tipping point for the conversation about whether or not the Big Ten was overrated, whether or not, um, you know, the, the, the that entire conversation with all the losses that have happened with the teams in that conference. So, Jeff, let me ask you this. What Were you all that surprised by the way that Loyola played? And do you think that it allows you to make any kind of overarching conclusion about uh, the Big Ten as a whole or Indiana in general?
2: Um, I mean, listen, I, yeah, I was a little surprised that, that Illinois didn't go on a run and, and at least make it a game. That's what I was surprised about. At, at no point did it ever feel like Illinois had a, had a shot of really coming back. They never put actual game pressure on, on Loyola. Um, and, again, we set it all year up, and you started it earlier than anybody uh, probably in the damn country. You said, like, it's all about matchups with Kofi defensively uh, in in the ball screen. And to be honest, they dropped him, and they never made adjustments. They never tried to – and the adjustment might have been just taking Kofi off the floor and just saying, like, we can't win with Kofi right now. Yes, he's scoring points in the post, but he's absolutely killing us defensively. And I I thought it wasn't – it was Kofi. It was – it was I.O. He wasn't good defensively either. Um, but but again, it's just, you know, like part of it to me, watching Kofi in person, I think it's a little bit different when you see it on TV and in person is uh, he, he's a specimen, a physical specimen, but his instincts and and obviously his his uh his his speed is slow. Like he's always a step slow, it feels like getting over there, uh whether it's for for blocking shots or 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 help, whatever it is, he just he looks slow. Um, and he really looked slow yesterday uh, against Cam Crowe. Yeah, I, I
1: think I, I think the credit should go to Porter Moser more than anything else. No question. What, um, no question. Kofi, like we know, we know what Kofi's limitations are, right? Like yeah. everybody on the plane knows what Kofi's limitations are. And I thought that over the course, like the last six weeks, he had gotten better. You know, it, it's not like it's not like he was when he was a freshman. He was a train wreck defensively. Earlier on the season, like he was still working through some things. Um, he's never going to be great on that end, but I thought that he got to the point where he was – it was not something that you could repeatedly attack until we saw uh, what, what Loyola did. And what I was really impressed about, and I thought that Porter Moser's game plan was brilliant, is that um, he didn't just run ball screens. He ran a lot of action before the ball screen, and what he got him into was a dribble handoff where he had his guards coming off of basically a double screen or a, a DHO – Um, That operated as a double screen because Kofi's man, Cam Crut would be there sitting the screen too when the guy came off of the dribble handoff, which just made it that much more difficult for Illinois to be able to to guard and to cover, uh, and it got their defense moving. And it's, generally speaking, something that Brad Underwood has done quite a bit. When we talk about how he wants to get um, Iota Sumu getting downhill to his right hand, like he runs a lot of stuff that's kind of similar to what Porter Moser was running um yesterday and it just it, it worked so well it worked unbelievably well um and the other thing he did which i thought was really really smart and it's something that Loyola does a lot of and I didn't really think about it before the matchup started was just get Cam Crowtwood in the high post and let him pass out of it because it's gonna force Kofi to come out of the lane. Right. right? And so I, I mean he had a couple of really nice dimes. I think he finished with what uh, 19, 1912 and, and five assists. So um yeah it, it was it was a really really impressive and comprehensive beatdown from Loyola. So I know one of the big talking points has been that Loyola was like criminally underseated and, and and that they yeah, think the I committee did them wrong. And I know that you feel a certain way about it. And I think I kind of disagree with you. So I'm going to let you say what you got to say first, and then I'm going to say my piece. But I, I think that there's a middle ground, which hasn't really been uh, something that a lot of people have discussed at this point.
2: I just I have a big problem with with complaining about seeding when it's when it's like again whether you're a six seed or an eight seed or I know their Ken Palm numbers were really good but when you look at, at who are their best wins who, Rob tell me their best wins this year
1: yeah, I mean they didn't have good wins they lost to Wisconsin okay. they lost to Richmond like right. they they lost to right. um the they had uh, it was Drake and then I think there was one more that I'm blanking on. But, I mean, their best win was basically Indiana Drake. State. No, they, Indiana, Indiana State. Indiana State. Yeah. It was the fourth. So their best win was who? It was Drake, wasn't it?
2: And Drake two two times. And and who did Drake not have in both of those matchups?
1: Yeah, they didn't have their best players.
2: And the first matchup was the, the game after they lost uh, Tank. Okay? Right away. Game after. I, I just – Again, I have a hard time being like, well, they beat Illinois. They were they were seeded Like, like, come on. Like, really? Look at their resume. And, again, to me, you're, you're, you're picking apart stuff that doesn't need to be picked apart because, really, the difference between them and whoever got the six seed was so minimal anyway. Yes, whoever got the sixth seed, I don't even know who all, all it was right now. USC, um, Colorado. Colorado got the sixth seed? No, they got five. Um, BYU, San Diego State, Texas Tech. Like, Texas Tech obviously had had better wins. It's not even close. They were in the Big 12. They had better opportunities. Just easy to say after you watch them beat Illinois. So I, I just, I have a hard time again this year when you could throw all these teams' resumes in a hat and say they were criminally under, under-seeded or over or whatever. Like,
1: who cares? Yeah, you're right, that there's a lot of confirmation bias here because everybody was waiting to be able to jump on the NCAA to be able to say, like, you got Loyola wrong because of where they are in the metrics. And um, to a point, I agree. like So they were top 10 in Ken Palm and top 15 in the net uh, heading into Selection Sunday. And I don't think that that means that it should have been like a, you know, a three seed. But I do think that if you look at their resume versus what someone like a San Diego State did, whose best win was Utah State on a neutral, who beat UCLA at home and beyond that had a bunch of like wins against the good teams in their uh, league that have proven to really not be all that good. Um, I think that you can make a very, very strong case that Loyola has a better profile overall than what San Diego State had and the fact that they were an eight and San Diego State was a six in the same Okay, they are four team.
2: losses. Let, let's do this then. Let's do this. They're, I think they had four losses all year. BYU in the tournament. But, uh, Colorado, okay,
1: no no, you're you're right, but I, I don't want to resume, But the problem Colorado. is if, what's the point of having metrics like the net and and taking into account metrics like Ken Palm. when the NCAA, hold on, when the NCAA said they, they came out and they said this. They said what they do is they use um they use the the metrics that are results based to determine who's going to get in the field and they use the metrics that are predictive like Kempom and like the net to seed teams, you can't say that and then have Loyola, who is the ten, the number ten team on Kempom, as the eight seed, and have any kind of justification. You are talking out of both sides of your mouth when you say that. So either you are valuing the predictive metrics when you seed teams, or you are not. And what they did, what they said, they were, and then they had Loyola, who was number ten on Kempom, as the eight seed. That's the problem, Just right?
2: Because there. they're number ten in the, on Kempom doesn't mean. That 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 it's accurate. Like people are acting like Ken Palm is the end. No, no, hold on,
1: don't 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 use this as a platform to rail on Ken Palm. Explain to me how the NCAA can say they're using predictive metrics to seed teams as an excuse for putting Oklahoma State as a four. Right, Oklahoma State, great resume, best wins in the country. They had ten quad one wins heading into the tournament. Illinois was the only team that had more. So you can say Oklahoma State's a four because we're valuing predictive metrics when we seed teams, and then you have Loyola, who's top 10 in Ken Palm as an eight seed. That's the disconnect right there. That's why there's a problem, because you're saying you're doing one thing, and then when, when it comes to Loyola, you're not doing that same thing for them. That is why people were upset about where they were seeded, and that is why people can probably justifiably say that they were underseeded. It's the issue that you're doing one thing for Oklahoma State, and you're doing another thing for Loyola Chicago, and that's that's really the whole issue. And and I think the biggest problem is that when it comes down to it, um, Loyola proved how good they were. They, they they basically said like, look, we we went out and we comprehensively kicked the shit out of Illinois, and the team yeah. that pays the price when someone gets underseeded like this, same thing that happened to Wichita State with like Kentucky a couple of years ago when Kentucky was the eight seed and upset oh, team, ah. is is the team that pays the price is the higher seeded team that has to deal with the tougher competition. In, you know what, in
2: if you are the number 1 FNC, you should beat them whether they whether they're the 8 or the 6 or whoever it is. If you're that good, you're going to run into d- decent teams and it's the luck of the draw, Rob. Look, we got Oregon State now uh playing Loyola. Loyola's just fine now. They're going to make out. They're going to make out now. They get Oregon State. Okay? Yeah. They're going to be fine. So like they didn't get screwed. Like
1: enough. Let's move on. Who cares? It wasn't, well, look, it wasn't. It wasn't Loyola necessarily that really got screwed, right? It was. Oh, but um, Illinois.
2: But if you're that good, if you're that good, you you don't you know complain. Whoever you're going to get in that eight nine game, they're all about the same. It's matchups. They drew a tough matchup with Cam Crow. Yeah, Pratt- they,
1: they did, and it was a tougher matchup than they should have drawn because the NCAA put a team that is top ten on Kem higher in the number eight seed. So tired of this. Can we move it's, on? This is stupid. It's not. It's not stupid. It's
2: a very you're legitimate stupid. criticism of the. No, way no, you're gone.
1: You're gone. You deserve to be gone. You didn't beat Loyola. Oh yeah, they got their ass kicked. They deserve okay. to be gone. The question was, did they? They deserve to to play a team that is currently ranked above Alabama, above Ohio State, above Arkansas, above your Texas Tech Red Raiders, above all of those teams. Did they deserve to play a team like that in the second round? That's the question that you have to answer Joe can you tell Joe can you tell Rob to move on can can, can people start
2: in the chat texting Rob that this is getting old
1: you need to need recognize ball. at some point that, that okay well, all right we'll move on what's next um I mean what's Ten. next oral Roberts oral Roberts well, hold on before we do that the big Ten where, where do you stand oh, the on the big idea Ten. that the big Ten is yeah. overrated there's there's two things that I've heard and I, I just want your reaction to both of them one of them is that uh, I think you made this point yesterday. They played a 20-game conference slate, and that is something that could really like wear on teams, especially with how they kind of pack games in to the end yeah. of the season to make up for stuff. And then you combine that with the fact that they uh, they they played the Big Ten tournament, and all of these teams have now been in Indy for, what, two weeks now? So yeah. how much do you think you need that played into this, or is this just a situation where you have a conference where everything is built on big guys inside, um, going up and playing a modern style of basketball?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it is, again, that um, if you have a couple really, really good weeks in the non-conference early on, and and a lot of these teams honestly returned um, the core teams. So they were good in non-conference. You know, Wisconsin was pretty good in non-conference because they had everybody coming back. Iowa, there was a reason we had all these teams ranked high in the preseason because a lot of them had, you know, a, a majority of their team coming back. So you win in the non-conference, and I've always said it, and people go crazy on it, but you know you're you're gonna your bids are determined by what you do generally in non-conference. And the big mm-hmm. ten did well. and we're, we weren't surprised about it. and then they beat the hell out of each other. And it was fun, but I said it all year. I thought the top seven teams in the big twelve were better than the the top seven teams in the big ten. And I think you agree with me when we were talking about that throughout the year. I wasn't saying like, there were a bunch of Big 12 teams that could win the whole thing. I thought Baylor was probably their their only shot. Uh, but the Big 10, we also – you and I thought about it and we're like, all right, who who has a chance to win it all in the Big 10? There, there weren't that many. Like there were a lot of good teams. But neither one of us felt like Ohio State was a Final Four team. Really. Felt like, like they would need some, some help. Iowa, are they a Final Four team? I, I don't think so. They're going to need some help. Uh, you know, Michigan was the one team that that you and I both eventually bought into as a Final Four team. But, yeah, I mean, they, they beat the hell out of each other. 20-game schedule, there weren't a lot of off nights. Penn State wasn't bad. Northwestern, they weren't good, but but they had a little stretch there. Uh, you know, Nebraska is the one team, and, and they even had talent. So I, I did, especially down the stretch, I, I feel like – I don't think it was – it was about the tournament being here in Indiana and them being here this long. Cause it's only been a couple of weeks. It's not like they've been here for like six weeks or something like that. Um, but I think it was more of them beating up on each other and, and that it wasn't, it was deep, but it wasn't it was as powerful as people said it, it was.
1: Yeah. The problem ended up being that outside of like the top three, which was Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa. And maybe you can make the argument that Ohio state belongs in there too is that um, a lot of those teams just ended up being uh, looking really good because they played a lot of games against Big Ten foes and they won a lot of games against Big Ten foes because somebody's going to have to beat teams in the Big Ten, you know? Right. So everything kind of got um, inflated and uh, what's the saying? The uh, the rising tide lifts all ships um, kind of a thing happened with, with some of the seeding. So I think that some of the, the, the bottom teams ended up getting overrated. Like, look, I think Wisconsin is uh, – is not quite as good as, as what people thought they were going to be. Um, I think that Purdue is one of those teams that's very evident where, like, you have a young team that played well, that got some timely wins, um, and that uh, got, I don't want to say overseeded, but they're, they weren't quite as good as they maybe looked. Same thing with Michigan State. You know, Michigan State pulled off some great wins down the stretch of the season. Um, that doesn't mean that we can ignore what happened at the start of the year. So uh, at the end of the day, though, if, if they get – let's say that Iowa makes it to the Elite Eight, and Michigan makes a run and, and gets to the Final Four, which is something that's still possible for them to do. I really don't think that you can say that uh, the the Big Ten was all that overrated, if right. um right. And, and it's, it's just, all like one game samples. Like the the only the only result so far that was really shocking was just how comprehensively Loyola beat Illinois. I mean, that's that at this point, that's really it. A lot of people saw that that Oral Roberts. I don't want to say they saw the upset coming, but I, everybody knew that Oral right. Roberts was going to be able to give Ohio State a problem.
2: In Florida, everybody knew like like Florida's been so uh, Jekyll and Hyde this year. They're not that good without Keontae Johnson. Like that that was one that again I love the regular line in that. I don't think I took the money line. I probably should have. Um, but nobody trusts Florida. Nobody trusted them. This wasn't a huge upset. Just you know the fact that to me um, we've got and I tweeted this out a little while ago, and I think you respond on the text thread. One of these four teams going to to the Final Four. Houston, which again, okay, that that that's legit. They've been good all year. Syracuse, who was basically very close to not making the NCAA tournament. Loyola Chicago, of which, again, their best win was Drake all year. And Oregon State, who amazingly, I forgot, I tweeted out the, the Pac-12 preseason poll. They weren't just dead last, Rob. They were like, they got every vote for last place in, in a league that sucked this year sucked. And I know they're six and zero right now. I get it, but it, they weren't good. Let's face it. They, they, they've, they've gotten a little bit of luck with some of their teams so far in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they were dead last Wayne Tinkle and Tinkle and Hinkle. That should have trended. I don't know if it did, but like, how was H- uh, Tinkle and Hinkle not, not trending last night?
1: Cause I don't think anybody knows that Wayne Tinkle is the head coach at I don't, how many people know that? Not very many people know that. I don't know. It's he has sweatshirt
2: day. too, so he like he wasn't he wasn't sweating last night because he's got like a pullover or something. It's not the same without tinkle in a dress shirt, absolutely dripping through. Um, and, and we should tweet tweet out that picture at some
1: point. All right, so let's let's before we get into today's game, let's do. We got to talk a little bit about Oral Roberts and a little bit about Oregon State and that win, and probably need to touch on. uh Syracuse winning as well. So, um, all Roberts getting to the the Sweet 16. I'm obviously like that's probably the biggest storyline here. They're the second ever 15 seed to make it that far. Uh, the first one obviously was Dunk City. And uh, I mean, look, they got they have two guys that are going to end up playing basketball professionally for a long time. Um, they have a brilliant coach that that just literally just puts them in ball screens over and over and over again, and spaces the floors with shooters, and nobody can figure out what the hell to do with it. It like what what, what is going on here? How did that team finish fourth in the Summit League? It makes no sense. College basketball makes no sense. I don't sense know. Now.
2: Yeah, I don't know, and and I still wonder how many people are pronouncing Max Asmus's name wrong. A lot, a lot. I mean, has anybody asked his parents what's up with the, the spelling of the last name? <laughs> have you heard anybody? Like, I want to get his parents on a Zoom call and just explain it to me. How that's not Abness. Like, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's what, like, I'm going to start Zoom calling you call. man.
2: Should I do that? on am one of their availabilities this week. Should I ask him?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ask him, like, gonna, how, like, how was your last name? Why, is it, it. why isn't it yeah. Abness?
2: I'm going to find out. Their next media availability, it'll be like tomorrow probably. Or maybe we'll try to get him on the pod.
1: Maybe we'll try to get him on tomorrow. Yeah, let's do it. So the the one thing I do want to note about that game, which I thought was fascinating, was Paul Mills' decision to intentionally foul with three minutes left. Did you see that?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, it was smart. I mean, they filed a fifty percent free throw shooter, and he yeah. missed the the front end of a one and one. It was it was absolutely huge and and so brilliant. More coaches yep. don't do that. Like more coaches don't do that when when you're in a position where you got to make up ground play the numbers play the numbers and he played them there and it worked
1: yep it's uh it's 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 something that i think more teams need to do and it's something that we see nba teams do a lot of um and look like the way that he explained it after the game was we weren't getting any stops at all so i just figured this was probably the best way to do it we only had one more that's opportunity that's- in the one on one right. so just get it done and and um and it ended up being huge because that was the first point that they took the lead in the second half because they weren't getting – he's right. They weren't getting any stops. They were kind of trading baskets. They kept cutting the lead, and they, they weren't able to get over the top. And they missed the free throw, and they come down to the next possession. And uh, I think it was Kevin O'Banner um, scored. And they went up 77-76 and never looked back, right? They, they After that foul, Florida only scored two points the rest of the game. So yeah, good yeah. for him. Good for them. Um, we'll see if they can end up making a run. I think that Arkansas is a pretty terrible matchup for them. Given how Arkansas wants to play with Justin Smith at the five, so uh, the Oregon State one, like that was that was very frustrating for me to watch. Kate um, Cunningham, for Cade, like even though we're rooting for Tinkle, we're rooting for Oregon State in the
2: upset, but everybody's rooting for Kate Cunningham because it, it's just you hate to say it, but
1: it's a better story at this point. You've got you got to make a run, run, run. man. Like, I, right. look, I, I and mean, that's nothing against Oregon well, State. You love
2: Cade. Not only do we love Cade um, on the court, but like Cade has just done everything the way that you want a, a number one player to, to do it, hasn't he? I mean, had a chance to, to bolt with his brother or without his brother for money or for another program when, when the NCAA hit Oklahoma State with a one-year postseason ban. He's been like the consummate best teammate you can you can possibly find. Way too unselfish as the number one overall pick. Like most guys are just about themselves kate has been all about the right things all year. So, like, yeah, we're, we're and on the court again, like, he's a stud. He's just so talented, so much fun to watch, and, and he struggled in the tournament. He struggled in these two games.
1: Yeah, I think what we really saw was um, kind of the limitations of his supporting cast. You know, there aren't a lot of shooters on that floor. When Avery Anderson isn't yep, scoring right. 20 points a game, um, there really isn't another option. You could send two and three guys at him. And trust that you're that you're not going to have to worry about it. Like I saw all these criticisms. Um, like one guy from ESPN tweeted out, like, "Ah, he's he's limited on the number of two point percentage shots that he can make." And it's like, what are you watching what? this? Like, what? he puts the ball on the floor. He's got six guys in front of him. There's no Who space. Uh, Who Kevin Pelton was was worried about the 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 percentage that he was shooting from three. And it's like I get it, right? Like that's I something you're good for. Yeah. That's a marker that you look for but you have to also be able to to like see what's happening on the court and understand how this works, right? Part of the reason why we're so bullish on him. Like that we've made this point over and over again. But the thing that he does best is manipulate defenses with the pass and be able to move people around with his eyes. And you can't do that when defenses don't have to pay attention to the guys on the wings. Like you could throw a pass like this and have it be like a great pass, but if you're throwing to an 8% three-point shooter that no one has to guard, then what's the like what's the use? So that was part of the like, – and that was another part of the criticism where it was like, how come Cade Cunningham isn't trying to take this game over? Well, he tried to, but it's very difficult to hit like contested 22-footers over and over and over again. That's not his game. That's not what he does best. So I think we just – to me, what that showed was a little bit of the limitations of Oklahoma State's roster and kind of how impressive it was that Mike Boynton got them playing to the level that they played this season. I'll also note that that was one of the dumbest games I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, There were so many decisions on by both teams that just had me like, what the hell are you doing? Why Why did you think that that was a good idea? I don't think I've ever said that more in one game than watching Oregon State and Oklahoma State last night. It was just, oh man, it looked like a bunch of kids at the end of a long, grinding, brutal season. Yep. Uh, what else we got? Um, Syracuse, Buddy Beheim going nuts. 23 second half points, scored 25. I love every Buddy. Year, every year. Like, I don't understand. I, I do not understand for the life of me how Syracuse can just dick around for four months every season and then show up to the NCAA tournament and all of a sudden nobody can figure out that zone and someone on that roster turns into fucking Steph Curry. I do not understand it. How does this work? It doesn't make sense to me. It just – and also, like, I love I love how it's turned, like, Jim Boeheim into just like, the most condescending douchebag on the planet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's when when great. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's, so, it? it's so funny. Like it's so funny to me when when Syracuse like is awful for most of the year and then has these unbelievable runs in March. And Jim Beheim is like, well, you know. I told you that this is what we were going to be able to do. Like, nobody wanted to believe me, but this is how good we are. I told you if you were taller than five foot two and played basketball before in your life, maybe you would understand it. If you were like me,
2: what did he say? He called out bloggers yesterday. Yeah, he just,
1: I don't know. He's like, he said nothing you read on the internet is true. I just, it's so funny. Man. We
2: need, that's who we need to bring on. We need to get Behem on this week somehow. We need to find a way. We need to find a way. I it's listen. Bayhaim and I have got at it plenty over the years, but we're, we're, pretty good and honestly I, I really think he'll he'll forever be indebted to me in his mind because I wrote a big story about Buddy and him uh, at the PTM a few years ago before Buddy committed and uh sat down with Buddy and Buddy's the best man. He he's the absolute best. And uh his, I'm really his, when he
1: hits threes and he tries to look all tough and hard with like his baby <laughs> face, and like it's very clear like he only gets hair right here on his chin. It's just like dude, you're you're a buddy Bam. Like settle he's the down. biggest um uh, his snarls uh, are just hilarious. And and Joe yeah, Girard, like, like, how is Joe Gerard a basketball player? Like that dude's like 5'11, he's kind of chunky, he has very much like 80s, like the, his hair is very much like 80s sitcom dad. With the way he's kind of slick back, like the he's got to get rid of the goatee. I just, I don't, under, I, I do not understand how Syracuse is good this year. It does not make sense to me, but here they've they are. They've
2: got enough good players. I mean, Dolagier was good yesterday. Guerrier is good. Like, they've got enough good players. They don't have a star, but buddy's, buddy's been shooting like a star. And if he I does, I don't,
1: I don't get it, man, but good, good for them. Um, yeah, the last thing hard. I want to note before we can move on is that, yeah. uh, is Baylor's back. They're back. They're, well, the they, first they, half,
2: they were back. I talked to Scott Drew for a while. I was there for the game last night, yesterday afternoon. And um, first half, that was like vintage Baylor. That was that was as good as I've seen them play in a long time. Second half, I feel like they just kind of took their foot off the gas and were like, all
1: right. Well, it's continue. also Wisconsin, the, they didn't shoot as well, and they weren't as crisp offensively. Right. But Wisconsin also – like hit some tough shots. Like Demetri Trice is a guy that can hit tough shots and yeah. he reeled off like three or four in a row that kind of made it look like it was closer than it actually was. Like there, there was a point when it felt like people were worried about Wisconsin coming back. And at no point in the second half were they inside the spread, right? They never got closer than six and a half. The spread was six and a half. They never got inside that number. So it's, you know, they Baylor, if Baylor not playing well is holding off a Wisconsin team, that's hitting some ridiculous shots without letting them get within two possessions. Like that's, 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 a, that's a pretty good basketball team. Um, all right, let's talk about today's slate. We have eight games, Jeffrey. It starts off with probably the most interesting one, at least from a gambling perspective, in my mind, uh, and yep. that is um, Oregon and Iowa. Iowa is laying five and a half points. That total is 147.5, which seems awfully low. It opened at 141.5, which is just a baffling number. So I don't know. What's What, what do you make out of that game?
2: Um, Iowa, Oregon. Is that what you said? Sorry. Yep. Um, boy. Starts off the day, you know, I just don't know how Oregon's going to guard Garza, but on the flip side, I don't know how Garza's going to guard anybody at Oregon. Uh, I, I will take uh, Iowa here. I just think they're the veteran team. Oregon hasn't played yet in the NCAA tournament. I love Dana Altman. We, we all love Dana Altman as a coach. I just don't know, you know, again, I think Wieskamp now, you gave him another week. He's healthier. Frederick's healthier. Um, I just, I feel like at this point, how do you go with Oregon? I mean,
0: you
2: know, on, on one hand, Rob, I say, like, there's got to be some close games and some buzzer beaters today. Where are they going to come from? I guess that's what my, my big thing is, like, can Oregon play with Iowa and take it down to the wire and cover here? I don't think they win, but I think they could potentially cover on this one. But I think I'm going to Iowa. I just think they got they got too much experience. They play together for so long. Um, not everybody in the Big Ten is going to underachieve, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I initially thought I was going to go that way, but the more yeah. I think about it, there's there's two things I like here. One, I, I do think that the side that you want to be on is probably Oregon. Um, we're we're just everyone's kind of assumed that Iowa's fixed their defensive issues because they played a lot better, and, and yes, they did. They played much much better down the stretch of the season, but they also didn't have to play anyone that would spread the floor the way that that Oregon spreads the floor with the talent that Oregon has. You know, it's one thing to say you're better defensively when you're going up against teams that have plotting seven foot centers that don't really expose. Luka Garza, but he's going to have to guard like the the Amarugi kid, or he's going to have to guard um, Eric Williams on the perimeter, or, or somebody on the perimeter that can blow yes. by. That's, That's a that big. Like, or, or you're going to have to have Iowa go to zone, which we've seen like Iowa zone is not very good. Um, and yes, it's going to be problematic for Oregon to have to try to stop Luka Garza. Um, they're going to have to find a way to double team. They're going to have to find a way to to make that happen. But there's a couple things to note. One. Oregon, Oregon's pressing defense is something where I think that they can give Iowa a little bit more trouble than, um, than you would expect. Iowa is the uh, best team at protecting the ball. They have the lowest turnover rate, um, but they, uh, they haven't really dealt with the kind of length and athleticism in a press that Oregon is going to throw at them. So I think that's something where they can kind of take advantage a little bit. Um, And the other part of it is that uh, Oregon hasn't played yet. They're, 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 Iowa played a tough, like a game that was tougher than it should have been. Luca Garza was in down the stretch because they only beat Grand Canyon by ten. Oregon didn't play forty eight so hours. Crazy to me
2: that Oregon gets so fortunate in a way. Like if they win this, they get to Sweet Sixteen. Like think of the luck ball Like if Oregon ever went to the Final Four this year, like you you you,
1: you didn't play a game.
2: Like you got well, one. They're, they're not
1: going to get to the Final Four because like the. All Oregon of this talk State. about what's happening in this tournament like doesn't yeah. matter because Gonzaga is going to beat everybody by double digits. Yeah, I, I I still tell you you're wrong if they face Baylor, but but they I, I might be. That's like I if, if we get if we make that happen, please, please give me that. and I will gladly be wrong about beating we Baylor. We need that. Everybody. We need
2: that for all the the great stuff that's happened here. Here's a question for you. Here's a question. And I wonder if anybody um can can weigh in on this. Does anybody miss Duke or Kentucky? No, no, nobody misses them. Like the tournament's been fabulous right now and, and nobody misses Duke or Kentucky at all. It's been awesome. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's it's different. I mean, obviously, but I, I think we've got enough good programs, um, enough talented teams that to me, again, I don't, I don't miss either one of those.
1: So the last thing I just want to say real quick about the Oregon-Iowa game um, is that Kempom right now, Projects that total at 155. This line opened up at 141.5 and is now at 147.5. I don't uh, – Vegas has been over-adjusting. Well, actually, this is Bet Rivers has been yeah. over-adjusting um, to be able to to make up for the fact that, like, the first half unders were just hitting, like, crazy. Right, but right. They, I, they, they 14 points. The opening line was 14 points off of what Kempon had. I don't think I've ever seen a number that big. Like, I, generally speaking – it's about so like wait, three or four for most of them. What is Ken Palm have it right now? Hmm. What What is Ken Palm have it for what? The, the by well. the way, everybody in the chat said no, they don't miss, uh, they don't miss Duke except for Tony Parker Jr. Tony Parker Jr. looks like he misses Duke.
2: Does he miss Duke or Kentucky? I don't know. I don't know. Either.
1: I don't know which, I don't know if that's the Spurs Tony Parker or uh, the UCLA Tony Parker.
2: <laughs> <It's>
1: <laughs> be both. I don't know. Um, I wait, would you ask? Something about Ken Palm. Ken oh, Ken Palm, Palm has a total at Ken Palm has a total at 155, and the line, the total at uh, at dot com is 147.5. So
2: that means you're, someone, that means Rob Doster is definitely going with the over here. Like, well, yeah, no I'm going to
1: take. I, to I'm point definitely. Point I already put the bet in. I'm taking low the low down low down low over
2: right now because if Ken Palm is different than the line, guys,
1: like that well, different. No, well, when it's that different, yes, you Palm should. Look, you should. You should. Look if if you're savvy, you know, look good enough. Right Goodman, if you were savvy, then you would be you would be doing that too. Um, but, I mean, it, it makes sense logically too because Oregon's going to try to press. Iowa likes to run. The only logic that I could see that would lead me to believe that the under is a good play here is that Oregon's game plan is going to be to slow the game down because they don't want to allow Iowa to be able to get get out into transition. And what they're going to do defensively with their press is instead of trying to force turnovers, it's yeah. just to slow them down and make them use clock offensively, which doesn't make sense to me. Because that means you're gonna to have to play him in the half court. And you don't want to play him in the half court because you can't guard Luka Garza. So I don't right, move on. We yeah. got to get to seven more games here, Rob. we'll, we'll get to them quickly because Gonzaga, Oklahoma, uh the, the line at Bet Rivers right now is 14. The total there is 154. Is there any way that I can talk you into putting money on Oklahoma in this spot?
2: Um if somehow Debion Harmon is allowed to play. Somehow, which isn't going to happen. He's out. He's out. We know that. So uh, can Austin Reeves go for 40? Probably not. Probably not. But he'd, he'd have to. He'd have to for me to, to think about. I mean, again, it's just like you, you, you think, like, why can't Oklahoma with, with Reeves, with Gibson, Mannix playing better, actually. He really is. You're telling me Oklahoma can't cover 14 and a half? Really? They're a good Big 12 team. With Harmon, with Harmon, I would take that. I would abs- I would feel actually pretty good about taking 14 and a half.
1: Without Harmon, uh, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching yeah. it. I I mean, go I'm kinda, I'm oh, yeah. I'm kind of there with you. I got I got I got a stat for you. Ready? Yeah, go I got a little trivia for you. Um, Gonzaga, in their first round game, beat mm-hmm. Norfolk State by 43 points. That was yeah. the biggest NCAA tournament win since what game?
2: I don't know since getting to Oklahoma beat somebody, Buddy healed.
1: Oh, what was well, it? Buddy, uh, Buddy healed, yes, but when they lost to the Villanova in the final four by forty-four points. In Holy
2: shit! <laughs> wow, that was the – o- right? Game. One of the, I mean, that was awful, awful. I remember being there, being like, "What the hell just
1: happened?" Um, yeah, um, I don't. I, Oklahoma is enticing. I'm, I'm probably going to be staying away from this game. Um, but the, I mean, look. uh, I mean, I feel like, like you have to do something on every game right now from, you know, I'm probably just going to put something on, on Gonzaga, but like, just put it on the over when in doubt, I don't, I don't, I don't like overs have not been hitting in this tournament. Like with the empty gyms and everything, it just, I I don't know. It's weird. Like this, I I don't have a great feel for it. If anything, I'm probably just going to be on Gonzaga because I think the chances of them being able to just run people out of the gym is, is probably where you want to be. Um, but I don't know. I don't you know you really right. on? hey, you know, what you should check on later is the different gyms so
2: far in the overs because, like, Banker's Life to me again, uh, where the Pacers play. I've been at each of these gyms, and like, some of them look more like the one at um, uh, Farmers looks more like a regular, like, it's not cavernous, it's not huge. Same thing with Hinkle, and, and they look like They've actually got some fans. It doesn't look quite as empty. Banker's life looks completely empty. It's just so big where Lucas Oil is split into two courts. So it doesn't look quite as as, as big and cavernous. Um, I would bet if I had to if you looked at it, Banker's life, the unders probably hit on if I had to guess, more than any other building.
1: Well, the unders, the unders are hitting like crazy, which is why Vegas is readjusting and why you're seeing – like, for example, Ken Palm has the Gonzaga, Oklahoma total at 158, and the total at betrivers.com is uh, 154. So, at, like, total – Unders have been hitting pretty consistently. First half Unders in the well, first – Well, you
2: now, though. Part of it is nerves starting out in the tournament, too. Part of it is, obviously, th- these buildings with, with no fans – Um That they've never played in, you know. So I, I think it's a combination. But you wonder if they adjust a little bit here now.
1: Yeah. All right. So next up, UCLA laying four and a half at Bet Rivers. The total there is one thirty three point five. Jeff, what do you like?
2: Uh, UCLA, I do. I mean, I crazy. I mean, listen, Abilene crazy. crazy. I know it's not crazy. You're right. I mean, it's not crazy. Abilene just pulled off a huge upset over Texas. Their defense is ridiculous. But if you just – and I've seen both of them play so far in person here the last few days. Um, You just look at the size and and, and the talent level. Um, It's kind of a no contest. Um, My boy Joe Pleasant's going to have to play well in this one. But I'm taking UCLA. They've got a small guard too. I mean, that's the one thing. They've got a small guard who's really good in Tiger Campbell. Um, So I actually think UCLA will play with a chip on its shoulder. There's one thing that UCLA has done – um, they played tough under Mick Cronin, um, and, and that was the, the the fault of of Texas, right? Like you just wondered how how mentally tough they were, in, in a lot yeah. of ways. I think UCLA can match, maybe not match them in their toughness, but but again, they're they're the more talented team. I'll take UCLA, give them four and yeah, a half.
1: And here's here's the big stat. Um, we all know about the turnovers that Abilene Christian forces, right? Matt Coleman turns the ball over on twenty one percent of his possessions. And uh, Texas has a team turns the ball over on more than 20% of their possessions that ranks 260th nationally UCLA, their point guard, tiger Campbell turns the ball over on 16% of his possessions, which is really, really good for a point guard that has the ball in his hands as much as tiger Campbell does. Uh, And as a team, um, UCLA is top 40 in the country in not allowing turnovers. The last thing that I'll just note is that uh, they have three guys on their roster that can go out and create a shot for themselves. Two of those guys are six six or taller and um in Jaime Jaquez and uh and, and Johnny Juzang, who's been playing lights out, by the way. Imagine if you know all this talk about how Kentucky needs a shooter. Feel like they could have used Johnny Juzang this season. That's just me.
2: Yeah, um, the kid that got hurt in Arizona.
1: Yep, Jamal Baker. So yeah, I think we both like UCLA there. Next up, we have Ohio getting five and a half points at Bet Rivers. The total there is one forty eight point five. Going up against Creighton, this is this is the matchup that I'm the most looking forward to today just because yeah. we get Jason Preston against uh, Marcus Zagorowski, That'll be a lot of fun.
2: I chose this game. So I'm, I'm doing Iowa, Oregon to start, then Gonzaga, Oklahoma. I think I got to do both of those. You only get four again for the day. And I had to pick between UCLA, Abilene, and Creighton, Ohio. I went Creighton, Ohio. Uh, yeah, I just sure want not. that, that Zagorowski preston matchup is going to be absolutely awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, listen, to me, I don't know if that's going to determine the winner here. I I think Creighton's going to need help from Bishop was great last game. Mahoney's got to be good this game. Um, I think Creighton, again, Creighton's got enough around them. They just – they got to make shots. They got to make shots. And if they do, um, I think they roll over Ohio. But, um, you know, to me, again, this this one is all about the mindset of, of Creighton as much as anything. And if they can make shots and they come in, they're more talented. We know that. Uh, but Ohio's been great. I mean, press. It's not just Jason Preston either. Vanderplatz has been uh, good all year, and um, and Jeff Bowles has done a terrific job with this with this group. Even though you thought he recruited uh, Preston.
1: I yeah. did. I did. I didn't realize. I didn't put that yeah, together. Yeah,
2: Phillips know. recruited both. Both those kids. He recruited. I, both. I
1: forgot that the whole uh, Jeff Bowles at Stony Brook era. Right. Totally forgot about it. <laughs> I, I totally forgot he was at Stony Brook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my my brain, my my March brain said that he went straight from. Uh, from Ohio State to Ohio, which uh, is definitely not true. So that, yeah, I wish th- that's. This is the problem of when you uh, when you surprise me with guests. I don't have a chance to do any research, and I just got to guess, <laughs> pull stuff out of my ass. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like Ohio there just because I don't think Creighton's the kind of team that's going to pull away from from um, Ohio in this spot. Uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I do think the under is is probably something that's in play. So that will be interesting to see. Next up, LSU is right now at Bet Rivers getting five points. at line's coming down a little bit. Total is 148 there. Jeffrey, can the Tigers pull off the upset and get to the Sweet 16?
2: It would be so Will Wade if they did it, right? Like, and think about it. If we have LSU in the Sweet 16, uh, how many people are going to talk about a strong-ass offer or, or a strong-ass performance or, or whatever? Like, it, it's just so LSU. I mean – all the other teams have gone, right? I mean, other than Kansas. Kansas is still here, but Arizona's gone. Auburn's gone. Uh, USC's here too. Yeah, we still got some guys that that, that were embroiled in, in those investigations. Really, USC, Kansas, and uh, and LSU. Maybe all three of them will make it into the Sweet 16. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan's not the same team without livers. We know that, but I still think they're 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 the more disciplined team. They're the team you can count on, um, and Mike Smith continues to do it over and over again and prove us kind of not wrong because we, we didn't say he wasn't going to be good enough, but um, he, he's been good. I I just want to see uh, Franz Wagner like take over today, like he needs to, like he's got he can't keep doing this where he's just coasting, like today against like Trenton Watford. He's gotta show up and, and be a little bit of a killer here.
1: Yeah. Um I I'm I'm worried about the Hunter Dickinson matchup. Um I, I don't know who he guards defensively yeah. for LSU. Yeah. Um you know they're they're the guy that kind of plays the five for them is Darius Days and he shoots 40 something percent from three. Uh Trendon Watford kind of handles the ball and, and almost operates as a point guard for him. So I'm expecting that the Franz Wagner will be on him. Um, so who ends up chasing around Cam Thomas? Uh, where does Mike Smith end up playing? Yeah, you, know are you going to put him on Javante Smart? Or are you going to put him on somebody else? Like that's that's a little bit of a mismatch match issue. Um, but at the same time, like I, really, I don't I don't know how LSU gets stops either. Well, that's you know what I'm saying. Just- and
2: they do a good job
1: getting Hunter the ball um,
2: in the right spots. Right? Like like he seals well. And, and Mike Smith does a nice job, and not just Mike Smith. Livers did a good job, too, of of low post entry passes, right? Getting him the ball where he needs it. He keeps it high and 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 very rarely brings it down and, and scores. And, you know, they can't trade threes for twos. I mean, if there's anything we've seen other than like Abilene in this, in this tournament, if you're making 10, 15 threes and shooting a good percentage, you're probably going to win the game. There's been a few outliers, but for the most part, That's how you win in in, in the tournament these days. You get hot from three. So I I do agree with you. If LSU gets hot from three, and and I think it's really Cam Thomas, right? Like you got to make sure if you're Michigan, Cam Thomas isn't making threes and isn't getting open looks. And and honestly, he can make contested threes as much as he can make uncontested threes. He's one of the better contested shooters out there. So you you have to do a good job uh, on Cam Thomas if you're Juwan Howard in Michigan.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that LSU gets the cover, though. Uh, we've talked about this before. We have yeah. made the point about livers. Um, and I think that uh, – I think they actually went out right. I have the money in my bracket, which doesn't matter because my bracket is terrible. But, um, I, I yeah, I think I'm going to be on LSU here. I'm also just going to be on the over because I don't know how either of these teams get stops against each other. Uh, all right, next up, uh, we have Colorado and Florida State, which I think is actually a really interesting matchup stylistically. Um yeah. Colorado is getting a point and a half now. That's that's actually come down last night. Florida State was laying two. That total is one forty one. Jeff, where do you fall there? Um
2: Florida State. Yeah, you know, I saw Colorado and it was like a shooting clinic, uh, to be honest, the other day against Georgetown. I, I felt bad for the Hoyas and Patrick Ewing. Wasn't even a game. Ten minutes in, and all those Georgetown fans that made the trip to Indiana, um, it was over. It was over. I mean, these dudes I don't know if you saw. I caught them painting their 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 chess, uh Hoya, in the in the parking garage as I was leaving, and it, it took them some time. It was some work, and uh, all that work for not. Um, but yeah, I, I I like I like Florida State here. I, I think they've been to me. I think they were the best team in the ACC, and I said that kind of all year. Yeah, conference of champions, Eric. I think it ends for Colorado, although I love McKinley Wright. I absolutely love him. I just don't think uh, Walker is going to shoot it anywhere. He, I mean, he he was the difference early. Georgetown kept leaving him, and he made like 18 threes all year, and he was 5 for 5 from 3, 9 for 10 from, from the field, and um, they never really adjusted. Where Florida State, they shoot it, man. They've shot it well all year, and uh, and they're tough and they're big, and they're strong, and they're men. So I, I like Florida State giving one and a half here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that their switching defense is going to really take away the things that Colorado wants to do. There's two things that Colorado does offensively. They uh, put McKinley Wright in ball screens, and I think that Florida State's ability to switch and, and uh, uh, Ball's ability to defend on the perimeter um, will kind of negate the, the effectiveness of that. Uh, McKinley Wright is six foot everybody on 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 Florida State is like 6'6 or taller Uh, he shoots 32 percent from three so I don't think he's going to be able to shoot over the top of the defense I'm worried about that the other thing they do is they run a lot of block remover which is nothing but like pin downs and flare screens and Florida State switches all those exchanges like you don't you you can't run a pin down you can't run an off ball screen against Florida State because they just switch it. they make you beat him in isolation and I don't think that uh, that Colorado has guys that are good enough to be able to do that. So I like Florida State here. Speaking of beating you in isolation, I think my favorite bet of the day today is Alabama, minus 5.5. Um, Maryland, like Florida State, is a team that only wants to switch defensively. Yeah. We saw them do it against UConn, and UConn had no answer because the only guy that can create for UConn um, is is James Booknight. Alabama runs the dribble-drive motion, and dribble-drive motion is basically like an offense that is designed to uh, – iso here iso here iso here drive draw defense kick open three close out drive draw defense kicks like that's literally their entire game plan so um i really like uh i really like alabama here
2: yeah i'm with you in alabama they didn't play well the other day against iona but i think it was a it was kind of a matchup um you know maryland's got these these switchable a lot of guys between like six three and six seven six eight and that fits right into alabama's hands for me um Petty didn't play well. I think he'll be due to make some shots here. And uh and I think Alabama will just get up for this one. I think that's that's always been my 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 worry about Alabama, right? It's like, are they consistent enough uh mentally and to get up for every game? Now I think, you know, okay, Maryland, you know, coming off their win. I, I think the Crimson Tide will be ready for this one. And again, Herb Jones is gonna be ready. And and you just honestly like. You can put Herb Jones on whoever's hot for Maryland. Like, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of Herb Jones is, like, whoever's hot, okay, go get him. Go, go slow him down. If it's Yala slow him down. Marcel, like, whoever it is, Wiggins, it doesn't matter. Go get him, Herb, and just shut him down. Um, so, yeah, I like Alabama, which means I'm, I'm, I'm on, like, every favorite right now. And I don't yep. like that.
1: I don't uh, like that. That's not right. going to happen. Today. Last last thing I got for you, USC. Yeah. Laying a point and a half um, at Bet Rivers. Uh, That total is 134.5. They're taking on Kansas. This is the hardest game for me to figure out. Totally. Totally. Because you don't know what
2: you're going to get out of Jalen Wilson, number one. Right? Like, he's coming back from COVID. Bill Self says he's going to play. Like, can he play? I mean, did he have any symptoms? Um, Obviously, he wasn't able to do anything. Did he stay in shape? Like, McCormick looked gassed to me. Now, he... Can never tell with David McCormick. Also, like I feel like he always looks tired when he's going up and down the court. Not like Garza tired, um, but he but he always looks tired. You know, as he labors up and down the court. Sometimes, um, you know, I, Mobley. Like if like I don't know, I don't know how Mobley. Like how do they stop him? I mean, you're gonna put Mitch Lightfoot on Mobley? Like good luck. I, I think you almost got to just give Mobley his twenty and ten in this game, and just say like, all right. We got to make sure nobody else hurts us. None of those guards can go off.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you just kind of hope that that Mobley is in one of those games where he's not interested in trying to take over, yeah. um, which is something that he does occasionally. Uh, my so my big question is going to be uh, McCormick um, offensively. We know, good. yeah, yeah, we know, and we've talked about how um, McCormick is a little bit. Uh, inconsistent and how he has a tendency to uh, not use his size and physicality. So I think that if he can play 25 plus minutes and if he decides every time he touches the ball, I'm taking Evan Mobley and I'm putting him through the rim and I'm going to go finish through him, uh, that's something where like he can be very, very effective and it can be a way that they can lift up the, the Kansas offense overall as a whole because he has to be like the go-to guy, the offensive focal point. Uh, but if he's in the mood where he's like taking jump hooks and he's taking turnaround jumpers, like Evan Mobley's going to have seven or eight blocks because he's not getting those off against against uh, Mobley's line.
2: Is McCormick look good in that first round game offense? Yeah, but he game. was going
1: up against Tanner Groves and Jacob Groves. Like it's but
2: whatever. Tanner Groves is still big. And I mean, Mobley's not, ta- yes, Mobley's not Tanner Groves. I'm not saying that, but
1: he still did it. Right. Against, Tanner, Groves, Tanner Groves is probably better than Mobley. <laughs> The legendary
2: uh, I just think at least McCormick looked effective and got his confidence back because I he lost it early in the season he lost it and, and and his teammates lost it in him earlier this season so he's got it back where is there any program that has fed the post better since we've been covering college basketball in Kansas not many maybe Carolina like not Purdue. many utilize big right
1: Purdue Purdue Purdue
2: Purdue, Purdue he's
1: been better um, okay. But yeah, you're right. You're right. They just pound the ball inside to him. And right. Kansas, uh, if, right there. We know if
2: if Igbaji's not making threes. By the way, I felt bad for. I think it was Brad Nestler calling that game. He couldn't get Igbozie. He could not pronounce it right. I, I forget how he was doing it. But I, I if I had Nestler, finally I think somebody got in his ear and and, and helped him out with it. But um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is again. If he's not making shots and you have to um, rely on Jalen Wilson, it, like Christian Brown's Braun, got to make shots. Like two of those three guys have to do something. Um, but ultimately, Rob, ultimately I'm going to take Kansas here because I trust Bill Self more than I trust Andy Enfield.
1: Yeah, it's a- kind of where I'm at with it too. So um, it is what it is. All right, Jeffrey, uh, we've been here way too long. Um it's been. Well, uh, it's we're been no rush.
2: These days, listen, these days, Rob, um, we got what two weeks left from tonight. I got two more weeks in Indy. Two Man. more weeks in Indy. It's beautiful out today. I think.
1: Two more weeks in Indy. That's All right, fine. Jeffrey. We will. Uh, we will. We will reconvene again tomorrow morning. Hopefully, we'll have a nice little. Uh, nice little guest for you guys tomorrow. That would Later. Be good.